0: Welcome to another edition of Night Roundtable, a regular podcast from Gannon University's Dull Kemper School of Business, covering topics of interest to investors, accountants, entrepreneurs, marketers, insurance, sports, business, community, and government leaders. Hello, and welcome back for another episode of the Night Roundtable. Today, we are joined by Dr. Rick Stachel, Assistant Professor of Healthcare Administration, and Director of the Master of Healthcare Administration Program at Gannon University. Thank you for being with us today Rick. Thanks Marit, it's a a pleasure to be here and talk about a a subject that I am really passionate about. So I just kind of want to ask you know what do people think is the fastest growing industry in the United States? And there's a dramatic pause. And so it is healthcare and uh, which is no surprise since Marit introduced me as uh, professor of healthcare administration and director of the MHA program at Gannon. But it's interesting that the Bureau of Labor Statistics indicates that uh, industry in the healthcare industry is projected to grow at about 16% from 2020 to 2030. And really that's that's faster than the average of all other industries combined. So that kind of gives you an idea by about how fast it's growing. And healthcare occupations are projected to add more jobs than any other occupational industry. So as we probably know, we just got through COVID. It's a fast-growing industry. Now, one area of healthcare that's anticipated to grow even faster is something called digital therapeutics. And allied market research expects that to grow about 20% through 2030. And another industry kind of market research group says that it should be about 30% through 2026. So that's a lot and that's high. And a lot of people don't know what that is, but it's a really hot area. So with me today to tell us what the industry is, how it fits into healthcare and, and more is Lou Massanti. And Lou is president of a healthcare strategy consulting organization in Pittsburgh called Echo Healthcare and is founder of the recently developed Pittsburgh Digital Therapeutics Forum, which had its second annual conference last year in 2021. Of course, that was virtual. And welcome, Lou. Thank you. So I kind of want to start off just by, you know, giving everyone an idea about what is digital therapeutics and what are we talking about?
1: Well, a reference point may be the couple million apps that are out there on everybody's cell phone. And if you think a, a subset of that, let's call that digital health. Then there's a subset of digital health that we could call digital medicine. And you know, when you think of digital health, maybe there's a half a million apps out there. Digital medicine, it gets a little tighter. And then the newest and emerging sectors, digital therapeutics. You know, digital health is, for example, uh, apps like lifestyle apps, fitness tractors, digital medicine, you know, you might think about digital diagnostics, the patches people have on their arm, the manager A1C, or when it comes to digital therapeutics, a little bit broader application, they can be used to treat, manage or improve just about any condition. So, you know, you have this big thing of apps, you have the digital health, but really the digital therapeutics is where the high growth is today.
0: And so we're talking about a fairly new industry, right? Uh, Probably 2014, 2015, or something like that. Uh, Who were some of the first players, kind of the big players in that digital therapeutics um, kind of area?
1: Yeah, you're you're right. It's really come on the scene and attracted the venture capital money the past 10 or 12 years. But actually. The, the part of the genesis of digital therapeutics started in 1998, 1999, a spinoff from Carnegie Mellon called Body Media that had an armband, and they were eventually acquired uh, by uh, Fitbit, I believe. But you, you go back to 2002 and the CDC uh, published a study on the complexity and almost the pandemic around diabetes. And over the ensuing 10 years, 2002 to 2010 a lot of people come up with complex ways to to look at uh, treating diabetes behavior change and around 2010 uh, a couple companies started to say look uh, we think we we can do this digitally you know we can help manage some of that complexity so companies like uh, Omada health out of san francisco well Doc with their blue star product for diabetes out of columbia maryland really started to set the tone for for really you know providing care outside the hospital and specifically trying to use cognitive behavioral theory to to change people's behavior and more recently uh, a company out of boston called paratherapeutics with something called a prescription-based digital therapeutic that we can touch on later if we have time. So it, it is new, a little bit of roots in Pittsburgh, but uh, it's just really starting to heat up.
0: Now, when you think about uh, these digital therapeutics, as you mentioned, it can range from a lot of things from tracking to actually you know, delivering some kind of therapy. Um, how are they kind of segmented?
1: You know, you talk to different people, and different people define digital therapeutics different ways. Uh, There's a group called the Digital Therapeutic Alliance that uh, emerged in 2018 or 2017, and they say there's three different types. One where you just have a standalone digital therapeutic that can treat a condition independent of any other intervention, then you have digital therapeutics that augment an existing therapy. Many times, it'll augment a pharmacological therapy. So something like we talked about a model health or new, working in, you know, the conjunction with a pharmaceutical called insulin. So you have the digital product, you have the pharmacological product, and then a third class are, are, are digital therapeutics that complement um, an existing treatment to improve self-management. So when you think about standalone products, There's a group out there called Happify that's been around for quite a while, a company called Sleepio that that really have standalone, 100% software-based products to to work in the sleep or uh, in the anxiety area. And then when you think about products that that augment, uh, I mentioned Noom, Livongo, around diabetes, where you have this complex uh, care pathway, you have pharmaceuticals involved, and then of course you have the digital therapeutic. And then finally, you know, the ones that it, uh, I think of one uh, called Free Spira. It's used uh, to treat vets with PTSD and specifically to treat panic attacks. And it's interesting that this is a 28 day therapy standalone a vet will do this 17 minutes in the morning, 17 minutes at night, basically trying to help them understand to the breathe and manage their CO2. Because when the CO2 builds up in your lungs, you can't breathe and you actually panic. The interesting thing is after 28 days, if the vet uses it, two out of three vets won't have a panic attack for over a year. Completely software-based uh, uh, therapy with no drugs involved. So. You know, uh, there are a lot of different types of them, and again, it's just really starting to heat up.
0: Yeah, and yeah, no, for, for consumers, um, it could be really confusing, right? And so at some point, does, uh, does the FDA and regulatory bodies get involved? And you did mention and just touched on some of these are prescribed. Yes,
1: yeah, so if you think of the, the funnel I was trying to paint for your, your audience, the digital health, the digital medicine, getting narrowed down to d- digital therapeutics, an emerging subset. That just the first one came out in 2020 are called prescription-based digital therapeutics, and they actually go through the FDA gauntlet, the four phases of clinical testing. Uh, they're very rigorous, and you end up with something called a 510k, which basically says. The FDA puts a stamp of approval on it, and a doctor can write a prescription for it. So really a big breakthrough, 100% software-based. Sometimes they're called software as a medical device, but a big breakthrough when the FDA is putting their stamp of approval on it. And the differentiator for the consumer is more evidence. Digital therapeutics are good, they're evidence-based. A prescription-based digital therapeutic has just and um, an exponential amount of more evidence behind it because it's very very predictable. It'll do what it says it'll do.
0: Yeah, and software as a as a therapy is actually a classification now under the FDA as well. And so now we get into the whole area of okay, if if these are prescribed or not prescribed, then how do they get paid? So we know that you know if I go to my doctor and he or she prescribes something for me, then of course my my insurance company will check to see if you know i'm allowed to have that and then hopefully fingers crossed they'll pay for some of that but what about uh digital therapeutics
1: yes that, that, that's a good point most digital therapeutics today are paid out of pocket but this emerging class that came out in 2020 the prescription-based digital therapeutics offer the advantage of being reimbursable. And the way it works, when you look at, I've mentioned the Amadas, the uh, Nooms, the Free spirits you know, as they go through their funding and come up with that FDA certification, which can take three to five years or more, but that's not long compared to 10 to 15 years for developing a traditional pharmaceutical drug. When they come out of there, they have the FDA approval, the D- DeNova or the 510K, but that's where the work starts. So, hey, I have a prescription based digital therapeutic. The FDA put a stamp of approval on it now. What insurance company is going to believe me? What insurance company is going to say I'll reimburse that? I mentioned the Free Spear example. Again, one of the first 10 to come out in the world. Highmark, actually, here in Pittsburgh, worked with Free Spear out of Spokane, Washington. And what you find out that Highmark got behind it. And they reimbursed that vet $1,300 if they complete that 28-day therapy. So that's one where the, the producer, FreeSphere, has been able to work with a large insurance company to prove, to show all that FDA evidence that this really works. Now, it's interesting. That's two out of three vets that works on, right? 65%. I thought that was really great when you really look into it and you talk to the payer, the payer wants eight of the payer, the insurance company wants 85, 90% compliance, but they believe in it enough, they're reimbursing it now, so the company can grow and get better and get up to that 85, 90% compliance. So it's just a a really exciting field. And I think Gannon was really good for, for jumping on this, you know, it's hot.
0: Yeah, it is hot, and I think uh, this is just the start of what we're going to hear a lot more about this and a lot more about the industry as it grows. So we've been talking to Lou Massanti of ECHO Healthcare about the growing area of healthcare known as digital therapeutics. Lou, thanks for joining us, and uh, good luck on your ventures.
1: Thank you very much.
0: And thank you again to uh, Dr. Rick Stachel for bringing Lou to speak with us today. Thank you to our listeners, and tune in again soon for another edition of the Night Roundtable. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Night Roundtable, a regular podcast from Gannon University's Kemper School of Business in association with Erie's Small Business Development Center and the Erie Technology Incubator. The Night Roundtable is for entertainment only. The views and opinions expressed are entirely those of the hosts, guests, interactive listeners, and callers who are entirely responsible for all show content. Opinions expressed are not to be considered legal, business, or investment advice, and are not in any way intended to reflect the opinions or positions of Gandhi University or its staff.